Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's Craig Moore. What a piece. Beautifully struck home by Craig Moore and the Australian supporters go wild in Stuttgart. Why not? Rickson's corner kick. Celtic couldn't handle Wood on the set piece. It's a brilliant header. And Kale goes to Spitzenko. What about that? What about that? Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Hello again. Good to have you with us for episode 42 of Shim, Spider, and so much more. Another fascinating week in football. Nine of the Super League 12 getting their punishment doled out. We have an all-English Champions League final to look forward to. While domestically, it was confirmed the A-League grand final winners will not get a spot in the Asian Champions League. Now, we were due to have Socceroos hopeful Callum Elder as our special guest today. Unfortunately, he has been unable to join us, but uh, we will be speaking uh, to Callum either later on in the week or for next week's show. We'll uh, put that out either as a special mini podcast or you'll hear him next week. So our apologies uh, for that. Uh, Before then, we will dissect all the big stories in the company of my two regular cohorts, Joko Kalatz and Craig Moore. Good to see you, boys. Um, Maury, you've been... Catching up with your old mate Kevin Musket this week. How is he? Mate, I wish I didn't because didn't I feel like rubbish the next day? <laughs> Big one, was it? <laughs> <laughs> mate, I said, mate, we're better off, we're, we're better off apart. Um, now, nah, I was down on for a few few meetings and a great opportunity to again catch up with, with Muskie. I've actually found that since he's been in the UK, Spy Jula, I mean, I've seen him more in the UK than what I've seen him in the last year or two in Australia. <laughs> Um, but he was good. It was it was funny. We posted that picture uh, out on Twitter, and a few people having fun with it. Um, who's that with David Moyes? So I was getting the David Moyes lookalike one, uh, <laughs> and, and Muskie was getting a bit of stick, Simon. But no, really good. Muskie's well, and it was great to catch up in a in a normal environment for a change. Good stuff, Spider. You've had a catch up as well with uh, Big Dukes, uh, Popper, and Vinnie Grella in Croatia. Yeah. 
Mate, how good was it? I swear to God, I come home, it was three nights. I said to Vinny, I said, mate, I, I feel like I'm back in the national team. It's like, <laughs> mate, where do we have to fly? Where do we have to fly? Where do we have to go play? This is brilliant. And we all had a smile on our face. To, to be honest with you, we rectified Australian footballing problems in two hours over, over two dinners. So we, we, we thought it was quite easy. <laughs> Doesn't everybody and hasn't everybody yeah. for the last 15, 60 years. Um, as for me, I had my first COVID jab, as you might have read on Twitter on Friday. I felt absolutely garbage for about two days over the weekend. Um, but anyway, all has to be done. Uh, and I, uh, I hosted a Liverpool International Academy, a uh, couple of interviews for the Australian College of Physical Education as well, uh, which is great for the college. Less great for me having to sit in front of two whopping Liverpool FC badges, uh, which yeah. I got some stick for as well on social media. Uh, anyway, good to see you, boys. Let's get into it then in Hard Talk. Hard Talk. Hard Talk is brought to you by Streamgate, one of Australia's first live streaming companies operating since 2008. They focus on virtual and hybrid events, broadcasting to unlimited online audiences worldwide by either a secure private stream page or publicly on social media. Live streaming allows social online engagement as viewers are able to communicate back to the presenters in real time while social distancing. So should you require a small personal event or business level webcast, then please go to streamgate.com.au or you can find them on Instagram. Well, boys, uh, let's start with uh, that news that the 80 grand final winners will not any longer have a place in the Asian Champions League with uh, the FFA Cup winners or whatever it's going to be called, given a half spot instead. So it'll be one spot to the Premiers under the current allocation, a half spot for the runners-up, and a half spot for the Cup winners. Is that fair? According to me, yes. According to me, yes. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we've got this thing about grand finals and playoffs. Uh, it's going to be quite difficult to motivate the boys uh, in that regards, but there's still a trophy to win at the end of it. But I think that's the right way to go about it, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm. Maureen? Yeah. I, no, I think, I think it is fair. Um, look, I, I'm a big believer in the you know first pass the post. Uh, I know we have the final series in Australia, but I, I think the reality is um, the spots have changed for us due to our... Um, you know, lack of success in the competition, which mm-hmm. therefore has given us, uh, you know, less coefficient points. Therefore, the the half spots and and I'm I'm okay with it. Like I said, it, it's tough for our team, Spied Simon. It's very tough for our team to compete in Asia, as we know. But um, this is what happens when when you don't and you are not successful and don't manage to get through to to you know your, your through your group into the next round. Punishment is that. Uh, these half spots uh, or the full spots come back to half spots, but the way it's the way it is, I, I don't have an issue with that. I think the issue for the AFC, of course, is that they've always viewed the, the grand final, the playoffs in total, as Australia's knockout competition. That's the way the way the rest of the world would probably view it, whereas we see it a little bit differently. Anyway, that's going to be interesting to see how the clubs and the players and the fans respond to that news. Uh, talking of the last uh, Australian club to get through the group stage of the Champions League, that was, of course, Melbourne victory. The tumult at that club uh, continues. News that uh, CEO Trent Jacobs is to depart. 
Uh, and Steve Keane, the interim coach, uh, lashing out to, at your big buddy, uh, Tony Popovich, Spider, uh, for speaking to players about his plans for next season. Did that form part of your lunchtime or dinnertime discussion? <laughs> Man, I, I, I read it somewhere. And Maury, you sent it through to me, didn't you? Yes. And I, yes. I read it and I thought to myself, Mate, seriously, does he not know, Steve Keane, that there's no relegation in Australia? So he doesn't have to worry about getting relegated. You've got four or five games to go. Just keep the team happy. And, mate, if you have to, do what you do best. Get a bonding session and go to the pub and have a mouth freshener. Because, <laughs> mate, seriously, what's his problem? Is a caretaker coach having to go at bopper? Seriously. But, but Spides, uh, I mean, obviously with, with Trent, Trent Jacobs uh, stepping down as the as a CEO as well, that seems to, um, I, I guess, the sign of with, with Popper coming back that there will be big changes, not only in, in potential personnel with the playing roster with Popper, but maybe even, uh, you know, staff within the, the structure of the football club. Mate, Maury, I think we, I think we all knew what was going to happen. And mate, let me tell you, I'm not with Popper 24-7, so I don't hear, hear his phone calls and I don't know what he's talking about and who he's talking to. Uh, that's not my job. But I think Melbourne Victory realised they have to change things. That, that's as simple as that. They've been very unsuccessful since Muskie left. Uh, what's that, two, three years now? And they know for a club that side, they've made a lot of mistakes and things need to change and people have to go. It's as simple as that. Uh, one victory player who is going, at least temporarily, is Adama Traore, who's copped a five-game ban for putting his hands on uh, referee Chris Beath a week or two back. Uh, Maury, uh, you, you okay with, with the length of that ban? Yeah, I, certainly, my end. I've got no issue in terms of if you're putting your, your hands over the referee, um, that could actually be seen as quite a lenient suspension, um, if I'm being honest, Simon. I just think the, the the process in terms of you know coming to the decision um, needs to be quicker. That process, I'm not sure what that looks like, but a five game suspension uh, that gets pushed out in the media now, when Traore has actually already served his five games. So somebody that then watches Melbourne Victory's next game and sees Traore <laughs> play is going to be slightly confused. So I just think that we need to be a little bit smarter with the process and the decision that is made has to be a lot quicker. Okay, let's uh, move on and talk about uh, the actual on-field action. We'll start with uh, the goalless draw between Adelaide United and Wellington. Uh, the Reds missing the chance to, to close the gap on City. They uh, finished uh, the game with 10 men after Ryan Strain was uh, sent off. Uh, Adelaide have now not scored a goal, Spider, in 231 minutes. Uh, what, what's the issue for Carl Viet's team, do you think? I tell you what, it's not from a lack of attempts. Mm. They had heaps of chances. Uh, how that game finished zero zero is beyond me. To be fair, uh, they they did have a lot of chances. They're still playing good football. Uh, I suppose, as you would say, as long as you're creating, it will turn. And I'm sure Adelaide uh, Adelaide's luck will turn. It just won't go in for them at the moment. That's as simple as that. They're still playing well. From Wellington's point of view, Maury, that that was. Uh, a big opportunity missed, I guess, against uh, a team reduced to 10 men. Ufuk Talley said that that was almost a must-win game. They're still sort of in the mix, but they're starting to run out of matches, aren't they? Yeah, no, Ufi was spot on. You know, certain games throughout a season that are must-win, and this was certainly uh, one of those. Uh, but Wellington, look, I think under Ufi, um, you know, he's 
very certain about what he what he likes to achieve with this team and the way he likes to go about things. They really just need to to attack every game as it comes along now and try to take maximum points. And if they can do that, then hopefully that puts them in a in a good position. The reality is below Melbourne City, Simon. It's the, the table is still very very interesting. It's very congested, isn't it? Uh, and the Phoenix do have those two home matches in New Zealand to come, COVID permitting, of course. <laughs> Seems to change on a day-by-day basis at the moment. Uh, so maybe uh, too soon to rule them out uh, just as yet. Uh, another stalemate between the Newcastle Jets and Sydney FC. Sydney FC now have won just one of the last six games. Uh, four of those have been draws, uh, Spider. And they're perhaps mm. a little bit fortunate to, to get a share of the spoils in this one. Yeah, I think Bimby will be a little bit worried. Uh, just not getting enough wins. Like, they're not getting beat, so they're still picking up points. And like Maury said, it's very congested, the table. Real, realistically, Sydney should be clearly second. Clearly second, right right behind Melbourne City, but they're not. And uh, we all know what it's like with playoffs. If you don't finish, uh, it's an advantage to finish First and second, obviously, and it's a big advantage to finish third and fourth. So it makes a big difference. Sydney, Bimby will be a little bit worried, but I still think they'll be okay. I still think they will. Uh, Maury, I want to ask you about the contentious penalty. Well, certainly contentious from Sydney FC fans' point of view. Uh, given for the Jets in that game, uh, handball yeah. against Bobo. Mm. Um, I think that's a harsh call, but uh, I'm, I'm keen to hear your view. Yeah, no, I, look, I don't know what Bobo can do. Um, you know, he's he's facing his own goal, so he has no idea. I think it's Jackson that's that's towering over the, the, the top of him who gets mm-hmm. a, a header downwards that, that hits Bobo's hand, clearly. But Bobo's got his back to that, so I'm not sure what he can actually do. And sometimes when you're, you're mid-air as well and you get a little bit of contact, which there was, your arm will come out because you're potentially you're going to fall. So you're looking to try and protect yourself or get set. Um, well, you've got to have I, your I, arms out for balance as well, more. I mean, you can't jump with your with your with your arms yeah. by your side, can you? You need it for leverage. And for, for me, uh, I was very surprised that they they uh, awarded uh, the penalty. We can go on about VAR and all that sort of stuff, but at the end of the day, the referee come over and had a look at the monitor, uh, and, and therefore made the the decision. I, I thought it was the wrong decision. VAR, continually contentious. Uh, a couple of questions on the Newcastle Jets. Uh, Stephen Yugarkovich confirmed this week, Spider, that he's leaving Newcastle to join the Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, which has been the worst-kept secret in the A-League anyway for quite some time. But he, he's going now immediately with Jordan O'Doherty going the other way. That seems to have been the catalyst for the move uh, going through. Um the issue, I guess, for some Jets fans uh, is that they are co-owned now by three or four other A-League clubs. Uh, one of those is the Western Sydney Wanderers, with uh, with Paul Lederer in charge of that club. Uh, he said this week, Newcastle as a club has got a long-term future, which is which is terrific for everybody to hear. But but is that Yugarkovic situation and others like it open to a little bit of manipulation, at least in terms of perception? Look, in terms of perception, probably yes. Um, but I think Ilgarkovic was going to Wanderers anyway. Mm. I think this this window that had opened up, which I find insane, 
to be honest with you. Like, absolutely insane. We're, we're a month before the playoffs and teams are completely changing their sides. Um, with, what, three, four, five games to go. It's it's insane. But Ugarikovic was going there anyway, so it was already agreed. This window's made it happen earlier. And I, I, I guess with these clubs propping up Newcastle at the moment, there's going to be comments left, right and centre. But... Look, uh, it's a difficult one. Uh, it really is. I mean, I know that these people that are in charge to keep Newcastle afloat will do the right thing by the game. I, I know that because we all need it to be successful and we all need a Newcastle. The sceptics are going to be out there saying there's yeah, wrongs, wrongdoings going on, but I'm not so sure, to be honest. Just just give me that pronunciation again of Stephen Ugarkovic. Ugarkovic. Perfect. I'm going to remember that one for commentary. That's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> Ugarkovic. Uh, on the pitch, Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, huge winners over Western United, 5-0 the final uh, scoreline. That was a vital clash uh, for two clubs on the fringes of the top six. Uh, Jimmy Troisi, Maury, absolutely outstanding in that game. Absolutely on fire. He was involved in, in, in everything uh, that was positive in an attacking sense for, for Western Sydney Wanderers. Look, we've spoken about, uh, I guess, the squad at times, and, and Spider, you'd touched on that maybe defensively they weren't uh, where they needed to be. But when you look at the, the talent and the players that they've got going forward, um, it really is incredible in terms of their depth. Uh, but certainly in this particular match, uh, James Truizzi, when he's in that kind of form, um, he's he's like gold. He really is, you know. Everything that he's done, even when he wasn't scoring the goals, it's putting the balls into the right areas that that, that can force mistakes, an own goal, um, these kind of things. He was he was absolutely brilliant. But you look, you got Duke, you got Abini, Kamau's come onto a game. You've got much there. They brought in Scotty McDonald. I mean, what about the firepower they have? Yeah, and the other thing, Maury, is like they brought in Ugarkovic now as well, which is another senior player that's going to strengthen them as well. But I, I think the beauty of that derby, I keep seeing how important that, that Sydney derby and the timing of that game and the result for Wanderers. Their yeah. players reacted to that game and they've yeah. taken it on into the next match. And you know what? They're, they're in a really good position now. Confidence is sky high. And yeah. defensively, I think Carl Robinson will be delighted that they didn't concede a goal. And to be fair, Maury, they didn't look like conceding a goal. And I know, I know Rudes was absolutely devastated. I've seen some shots, obviously, when the, the cameras uh, zoomed on to, over to him, Spider. But you've also got a little bit of information in terms of uh, what they didn't get in and until the day of the game due to, to COVID and the restrictions as well. Difficult situation. Yeah, it was, a, it was a disaster trip, really, for Western United. They were in Brisbane. They got stuck in Brisbane. They played there. They played on a real heavy pitch, obviously, and then flew in uh, to Sydney on the day of the match and went straight to the game from the airport. Now, preparation zero. And realistically, Wanderers gave them what they deserved and probably wasn't even Western United's fault. They were probably told, you got to play full stop. It is tough uh, for Western United. The players, of course, they're, they're playing at various home grounds as well. So even when they're at home, they're on the road, be it Tasmania, Ballarat, Melbourne, wherever. Um, talking off Melbourne, City, the league leaders, uh, saw off Brisbane by three goals to two, nearly threw it away after being 2-0 up uh, early on. Uh, but they are nine points clear. They look uh, pretty much 
nailed on for the Premiership, as you predicted at the start of the season, boys. Uh, look how happy we are. We're all geniuses now, aren't we, Maury? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've been on fire. I mean, even in this game, they probably made hard work of it because the amount of chances that they created in this game. But you've got to give uh, full credit to, to Brisbane Raw in this match as well because they hung in there and they managed to, to, to get their couple of goals, um, which, you know, got them back in the match. But Melbourne City... Uh, a game with uh, Metcalf for me, you know, he's he's been a, um, a revelation in the last six to eight weeks. You know, his deep runs into the box, his goals, his timing. And then we know the, the front three that they've got and how important they are. Maka missed a few chances, but who could have a go at Maka with his goal-scoring record? Who can, yeah. go, who can have a go at uh, Scott Jamison for his goal-scoring record at the moment? Mate, two, two in a what's week? going on? Huh? No, nah, Jamo can't claim that goal. Seriously, I know he would have done his very best to claim it, but he can't claim it. I'm sorry, Jamo, but you can't claim that. <laughs> Come on, Spider. You're being harsh. Give it to him. Mate, it was a, it was a cutback. It was a cutback with a deflection in the top corner. He can't claim that, but I've seen him running around. I, I didn't check any of his tweets. He, he would have given us some value for sure claiming it. <laughs> I'm sure he'll have a response to that. Um, let's move on to uh, talk about the Perth-Melbourne victory game. Um, a hugely important win for Perth. Uh, hadn't won any of their last uh, six, but they got the win by two goals to one. Bruno Fornaroli and uh, Chris Economides. Great to see Chris back. He is such a good player when he's fit and firing. Scored a terrific goal uh, as well. Um, and not just Perth that have missed him, Maury, but uh, Socceroos. Uh, well, I was going to say, have missed him. They would have done, had they played any games. But good, good to see him back. <laughs> Sometimes football's all about timing. Uh, yeah. Simon. Chrissy, look, he's a he's a great talent. Um, kind of uh, the type of player that he kind of falls in between positions for me. You know, he's not an out and out winger. He, he's certainly not a striker, but he, he's good at floating about and getting in good areas. And what he can do is, is score goals. I mean, look, it was a lovely cross. But still a lot to do. Um, but he, you know, he executed um, a really nice volley. That they managed to sneak in the near post. Really big result for uh, for Perth. Victory, to be fair, I thought you know they they hung in there. Um, so you know they 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 haven't given up. You know they're, they're sort of like they're still rolling up their sleeves. They're still working hard. Sending off, which was a sending off, I believe, uh, doesn't help. But in the end, uh, a very good victory, well needed victory for Perth. And interestingly, they do have, I think, a run of home games. I think it's another four in a row they've got at HBF Park, even though they're well behind in terms of uh, the race for the top six at the moment. They, they probably need to win all four of those home matches. If they do, though, they've still got half a chance of, of the playoffs. It seems a, a long shot spider, but uh, when you've got that home advantage, particularly you've got the long travel to Perth as an away team, they could still do it. Look, if you put a run of games like we've seen, I think Brisbane went seven, seven or eight without winning, and then all of a sudden they put a couple together and they're in the playoff positions now. Uh, Adelaide started off poorly, put a run of games. So it can be done. Uh, if you mm -hmm. can put four or five wins in a row, mate, you, you're, getting, you're going to be in the top six and you're going to give yourself a chance. But the hardest thing, as we know in football, you've got to win those bloody games. They're not easy. <laughs> That's so true. Um, the soothsayer spider. Let's uh, talk about a few Aussies overseas. 
Uh, what a week for Sam Kerr, by the way, through to the Women's Champions League final with Chelsea, scored a couple of goals in the Women's Super League against uh, Tottenham. Uh, mm. She's very much on course to win both competitions, that final in the yeah, Champions League coming up, coming up against Barcelona, of course. Here's the interesting question. If we include men and women together, if she wins mm. both, is that the best season ever by an individual Australian? I'll tell you what, it's got, it's yeah. got to be up, Simon, because mm. gold, golden boot as well, yeah? She scored 21 yeah. goals. She scored again today. 5-0 uh, victory. Uh, Man, Man City, uh, sorry, Chelsea beat uh, Reading. 5-0. She was on the score sheet again. Uh, the talk of, of her and uh, Fran Kirby as a striking partnership, 37 goals between them. Uh, an incredible, incredible partnership. And... I guess it's no real surprise because we've seen the talent that Sam Kerr has, but she's, she's now doing it regularly week to week uh, at, on, on the, the, the biggest stage. Um, so yeah, that's no, a good question. You know, the, the awards that she's winning and the, the trophies that she potentially can win this season could go down as the best ever for an Australian for sure. Spider. Mm. Uh, just have a look what I won in 207. <laughs> How many yeah, goals you, score, though? To be fair, mate, you were <laughs> on the zero, you were on the bench. Zero, no, no. <laughs> she, she's actually. It's been amazing. It really has been amazing uh, what she's achieved. And I tell you, it's that's a top question. I had to really think about that. Wasn't you preface for this? I would have had a better look. But <laughs> if you'd have looked at the rundown, you'd have seen it in there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't didn't look that far down. <laughs> No, that's mate. Yes, probably. I'm gonna to have to say yes for for sure. She's still got to win those. She's still got to win the Champions League, which is going to be yep. a cracking game as well. I might have to watch that, Maury. Mate, why not? There we go. Could go down in history. Um, Jackson Irvine and Martin Boyle, Maury, uh, both yes. into the Scottish Cup final with Hibs after defeating Dundee United two nil. Uh, in the semi, that would be uh, terrific, uh, particularly for Jackson, given he's only been at the club for a, a few months. He's got a big cup final coming up. He won the League Cup, I seem to remember, with Ross County a few years yeah. ago. Martin that's Boyle right. was part of the, the, the winning team for Hibs in 2016. Yeah, well, that's right. We had Martin on talking about that, didn't we, recently? Mm. But yeah, no, look, fantastic result for Hibs. Uh, I did fancy uh, them to go through in this particular tie, but a semi-final, you've got to earn the right. Um, but Hibs were definitely the the better side and deserve to go through in this match. Uh, their opponents will be St. Johnston, uh, who won today against St. Mirren 2-1. And St. Johnston are in a situation, Simon, where they could be the first team outside of the old firm since, I believe, 1989-90 that potentially can do the, the cup double in this mm. country. And the last one would be Aberdeen, is that right? Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Wish uh, both Jackson and Martin Boyle all the best in that uh, Scottish Cup final against uh, the Saints. Okay, let's uh, head overseas. London calling. London calling. Go further with the Australian College of Physical Education. With more than 100 years of experience, ACPE's courses are designed to get you career ready bachelor degrees in sports performance and business, health science, applied fitness, education and dance can help turn your dream into a career. Find out where ACPE can take you. Apply on 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Line today for semester one 2021 at acpe.edu.au. Well, let's talk about uh, these fines that have been doled out by UEFA to uh, the recalcitrant nine clubs that uh, signed up to the Super League. There are still three, of course, that are holding out, Juventus, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Uh, $23 million, the equivalent of Australian dollars collectively. Uh, the clubs have been fined, plus 5% of their earnings from European competitions. No points deductions, though. No European bans. Is it enough? Maureen. Mm. Mm, yeah, look, is it enough? I, I think it's a, for a lot of these clubs, it's, it's a slap on the wrist, if I'm being honest, because uh, financially, it's, it's not going to make or break them. Um, but I, I also read from, from this particular statement, I think, Simon, that if there was um, another push towards this kind of situation again, that far heftier fines um, were, were linked to it. And I'm, I've seen a hundred million pound now. I don't know that, whether that was collectively across the board or whether that was individually per club, but there are more serious sanctions in place if these clubs have another attempt at what happened with the Super League. Spider, I'm interested in your view as well, but also that the size of punishment you think that ultimately Juventus, Real Madrid and Barcelona, who remain firmly wedded to the Super League concept, uh, might expect to receive. Yeah, I, I think it's going to get nasty. Uh, I, I think they've got to deduct them points. Look, I can't see him getting relegated into the second division or second tier or anything like that. And I, I kind of agree with Maury whatever they get fine-wise is going to be a slap on the wrist because they're monster clubs. They're monster clubs. Yep. Uh, I think I worked out that it's the equivalent to uh, the signing of Sheridan Shakiri for Liverpool. Uh, he cost about uh, $23 million back in the day. So mm. it's pretty much loose change for those uh, big clubs, isn't it? Um, European finals have been decided since we last met. So Manchester City against Chelsea. In the Champions League, Manchester United against Villarreal in the Europa League. Um, on the City-Chelsea game, it would seem to make sense to me to move that game from Istanbul, given the COVID situation and the fact that Turkey is now on the red list in the UK, Maury, and move yeah. it to, to London or Birmingham or somewhere similar. Yeah, well, update on that, uh, Simon, uh, what I've seen today is that uh, UEFA and British government um, are having meetings tomorrow. Here in the UK. That's Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, with the expected decision over the, the coming 48 hours of exactly that possibility. Now, the only concern uh, and that there seems to be at the moment is um, the amount of people that can come in, obviously, um, so the attendance, and also the, the quarantine situation, um, not so much, obviously, for players because they're here, but in terms of the, the international media uh, and you know, all the suppliers and all these kind of things that will need uh, to be in place 
they need that's that's something that they have to work through but the second option they were talking about was uh, portugal uh, so yeah being discussed for the uk i think it's a um, a good case uh, and why not two english teams have it here in england Portugal, of course, was where the uh, the Champions League hub was played in the latter stages last season. Uh, The Europa League final, Spider, as we mentioned, Manchester United via Real. Um, United were always going to get through after that big first leg win against Roma. But Arsenal were probably the favourites against via Real, second leg. But again, they blew it. Mikel Arteta's under a huge amount of pressure, isn't he? Yeah, we, we tipped them, Maury. We said Villarreal will get through. They're, they're a good side. Um, they defended for their lives. Um, just typical Spanish side who knows how to get a result. Like Arsenal weren't, weren't bad. They, they, were, they probably dominated, but Villarreal had a match plan, and that was to survive and not concede a goal. And, um, yeah, look, Arteta, they would have expected to win that game. Really, realistically, and uh, but it didn't happen. And their season, their season hasn't been great. There will be a lot of pressure on him, and I think the expectations next year will be very, very high. That's what comes with a gig, I guess. Um, we saw a little Champions League final preview, uh, Maury, at the Etihad Stadium over the weekend. Manchester City with another chance to become champions. They couldn't take it. Uh, losing 2-1 at home to Chelsea. I don't know what Sergio Aguero was thinking of with that uh, Penenka penalty, which could have put them uh, very much in the box seats. Uh, is this a big psychological blow for Thomas Tuchel ahead of that uh, Champions League final? Well, I mean, look, for, first, Simon, do, do, do Man City supporters, do they like to keep the champagne on ice? Uh, <laughs> it tastes better that way in terms of winning the title but no look um, and I've spoken to Spider about this as well and, and psychologically uh, you've got to say that um, you know Chelsea have put themselves in a in a wonderful position for the Champions League final um, you know to, to get that victory um, to come from behind uh, it's a fantastic result and certainly you know the way that Pep um, has been in terms of especially Champions League. You touched on it. Uh, you know, maybe can can overthink things at, at times. Um, but I tell you what, they're two very very brave, bold managers um, that will pick the starting eleven players that they feel um, can cause the most problems to get the best outcome. So look, really intriguing um, Champions League final. But Tuchel um, has has shown that, um, you know, the job that he's done at Chelsea has been phenomenal. And psychologically, they have the advantage, in my opinion. Mm. I hope you're Mate, wrong. Pep was <laughs> agitated. <laughs> yeah. Mate, Pep, Pep was really agitated on the sidelines in that match, uh, Man City against Chelsea. Um, it was like a, like he just wanted the, the, the Premier League over. We want to win it. And we want to prepare for this Champions League. He knows now that he's, he's not there. Everyone's saying, are they going to choke? Are they going to... They're not going to choke. They're going to, they're going to win it. They've got 29 days to prepare for a Champions League. They've still got to play a couple of matches in between. Um, the other thing, Aguero missing the penalty. You know what? It's a funny one, right? So he does the panenka and he, and he misses. Mate, Pirlo took about 20 and yeah. did the panenka constantly. So, you know, had he hit it hard and the keeper saves it, he still misses. It's, yeah. it's just a penalty. It's just, it's just a type... Of penalty, mate. Give credit to the goalkeeper. I, I yeah. thought Mendy done an outstanding job because 
he was already down and he got back up to, to make the save. So that's a part of football. That's a style. That's that's a risk you take when you when you take a penalty like that. That type of penalty. And Pep touched on that. He was quizzed by reporters after the game. Are you disappointed with Aguero's decision? And he, as Pep does, he goes, it was his decision. You yeah. know, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize a player. He made a decision. Um and, and the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but the player made the decision. That's it. Move on. Um, yep. City's next game is away to Newcastle on Friday. And, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, Maury's punching the air here in delight because they're on a heck of a run at the moment. They beat Leicester by four goals to two. They're safe yeah. from relegation. I mean, you know, there's no... There's no it's doubt that they, they could potentially... Defeat City and Manchester United, who won three-one at Aston Villa. They play, uh, I think, is it two games before that match? They've got a very busy schedule. They've got Leicester and Liverpool, down, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, it could be down to four points by next yeah. weekend. It could be. <laughs> Newcastle, as good as Newcastle were against Leicester, and they were very, very good. I've got to say, um, Leicester playing a nice high line. Um, Mate, that was dream material for, for Wilson up top, who loves to run into space. Um, you know, they've just kind of like now Newcastle have hit their straps a little bit. They're, they've got the players that they felt could make a difference on the field. Uh, Willock's been impressive. St. Maximum, um, you know, starting to play his stuff. Um, and also, they're, they're safe now, Simon. So there's, you know, there's that pressure that's probably been there um, is off. So that makes them a dangerous team to play against. But I just think that, that Man City won't fall into the same trap and will still be too good for a Newcastle. Um, in terms of uh, the other Champions League spots, uh, Spurs going down 3-1 to Leeds. Uh, big blow for them. West Ham losing at home to Everton. Uh, is the Champions League at least over for those two? Would appear so. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Oh. Spides, that was a big... Yeah, it was a big win for Everton, but... Yeah, for West Ham, that was, I think, a, a killer blow. And again, you kind of, you know, I listen from time to time, not always, but listen to, to the presser and uh, the manager uh, post-match. And, and David Moyes, for me, was, you know, like, yeah, we've, we've dreamed big and, um, you know, sometimes you need to, you know, the dreams change a little bit. I don't know, the language for me was kind of like resigned to the fact that we might actually miss out on... on, on um, even Europe this season, because it's, it's quite congested below. Um, you know, West Ham, Liverpool, Tottenham, Everton. Everton's still in with a chance also to qualify for Europe. So, very interesting still for that little block of three, three or four teams. Yeah, yeah. Sure is. At the other end of the table, uh, West Ham, uh, sorry, West Ham, West Brom, West Brom have finally slipped through the trap door. Sam Allardyce's uh, proud record of never having been relegated is is finally over. Be fascinating to see if he sticks around uh, to try and guide them back up into the Premier League. Uh, one or two other issues before we move into our final segment. So Jose Mourinho didn't hang around too long, did he? On, in the dole queue, he's uh, taken over as the new boss of Roma. Uh, Spider, is that the right move for him? You know the Serie A very well. Uh, look, uh, he knows the Serie A very well. Uh, I think Roma Roma's a, a massive club. Uh, the only, you know what? The only thing that I'm going to say that could be, unless he changes the style he wants to play, because yeah. Roma has always been a very attacking, like football team. Like Roma and Milan were very similar, and uh, 
Yeah, you Juve and Inter were like similar big, strong beast, defensively type sides. Um, look, I, I think they'll appreciate him in Italy for his tactical awareness and the way he wants to play. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I don't think he's not going to have the funds that he had in England uh, to bring in players. That's for sure. And Spides, I, I and I'm happy to admit when I when I've got it wrong, I got it completely wrong because I, for the life of me, could not see Mourinho certainly as early as this, getting back into, I think, like I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, countries in the top five. Uh, kind of just felt mm. that, no doubting, obviously, how, how great a manager uh, he is and, and what he's achieved in his career is, is absolutely incredible. I, I just didn't think that that next opportunity would potentially be in one of these countries. So I got that definitely 100% wrong. And not a small club in one of those big five countries either. Roma, one of the uh, traditional... Uh, powerhouses of uh, Italy. Uh, one more, guys, just again on the Super League uh, fallout. Uh, Jurgen Klopp speaking out against pundits on TV, saying they helped incite the protests at uh, Manchester United and warning them to be careful. I, I'm not, not sure whether that's a direct dig at uh, Gary Neville, maybe his, his own former player, uh, Jamie Carragher. Uh, and the Glazers on the same topic, saying that they're going to meet with fans to discuss the issues. You could say that's just a tad too late, Maury, given that they've been in charge since 2005. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, I think the damage has, has been done in terms of obviously um, the Glazers wanting to now come out and address the fans and, yeah, unfortunately, the, 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 the situation just left a really sour taste in a lot of people's mouths uh, and certainly the Manchester United supporters. And so a real uphill battle uh, in terms of, you know, the, the owners winning back their, their fans. In regards to the, the other thing with, with Klopp, I mean, look, the two big personalities here are obviously you touched on Kadiga and, and Neville. Um, now, I thought they brought a lot of valid points to the table in regards to the Super League. Um, they... You know, they even went for their own clubs. You know, the players that they played at those clubs and have a long-standing connection with those clubs. Protests can always be well; they're, they're volatile, aren't they? So the smallest thing can set these kind of situations off. And unfortunately, we've seen that at, at Old Trafford. But so yeah, they need to be careful. But in terms of, I don't feel as if they went overboard in terms of you know the points that they pushed across in terms of why the European Super League and the clubs and the owners that were involved why that was the wrong thing for, for our game. Okay, let's uh, head into our final segment. Uh, and in the absence of Callum Elder for now, we, uh, we thought we'd give you a bit of a bonus content. We're going to speak to Nick Galatis, who uh, heads up, of course, the AAFC and uh, the plans for a national second division. Footballers Live. So Nick has uh, been good enough to join us this morning. He's taken a bit of time off from uh, court proceedings. Not that he's in court, you understand. He's representing legally. He's not in trouble. Uh, to talk to us about the National Second Division. Good to see you, Nick. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks, Simon. Good morning and good morning to the boys here and to everyone, all, all the listeners. Um, Nick, we're going to start off by asking you just a very basic question. Where are we at with the plans for a National Second Division? Taking a bit longer, isn't it, Simon, than everyone um, might have expected? Look, we're progressing quite well. Um, I, it's as lawyers, we, which I have, we like to manage expectations. And one of the um, uh, developments that I've seen in all of this is 
once the announcement happens, everyone out in the world thinks, well, let's do it now. Why can't we just get on with it? And the reality is um, Football Australia needs to align a lot of stakeholders. Uh, much work has to be done behind the scenes, which is all being done at the moment. So in fairness to everyone, it's easy to announce, harder to implement. We're getting there. So I'm confidently, I can confidently say we're, we're progressing towards a start in 2023. That's been announced very recently uh, by Football Australia through um, in a number of different settings, including by Chris Nicky recently. So um, that's what we're doing. We're working behind the scenes and I can speak to a little bit uh, to you guys today. Nick, I just wanted to ask you a question. I mean, obviously the the A-League is considered to be a closed shop and we realise with the National Second Division how important that is in the future with promotion, relegation, two, three years down the line. Um, my question for you is, National Second Division, fantastic. What is the process to, to potentially become one of these teams that would form a National Second Division? Um, again, that that is part of what has to be determined, uh, Damien. So what, what happens there is... Um, once the model is determined, of course, the first participants will be um, selected by some way, shape or means, which that, that hasn't been sorted out yet. We've got our model. Um, we've got a way that we think that should happen. Of course, ultimately, Football Australia that will determine it. We're looking to inform it because what our position is, is that it's clubs that are currently NPL clubs who will constitute the second division. So therefore, we see ourselves as having a key role because we know what our clubs uh, want and critically what they can deliver. So it's about what they can deliver. It's not about some notional theoretical, you know, division that someone might like. It's what can be delivered. So we don't. I don't know yet who will be a part of the second division, um, and it's not for me to select it. So all for the AAC to select it, or for the clubs to select themselves. Really, it's really a matter of then fitting a model. We, we're suggesting a model. Football Australia is working on it. That's where we are at the moment. Um, Nick, there has been some suggestion over the last week uh, that, okay, it might start in 2023. That's the, the goal that you're aiming for at the moment, that there might even be a pilot second division, a sort of a test run in 2022. Is, is that possible? Can you tell us anything more about that? Uh, yeah, look, Football Australia has suggested a potential pilot. Um, they've, they've mentioned it to us directly. Uh, I've had some, some preliminary discussions about that with... Um, uh, with James and it's all been it's all in sort of early stages of discussion um, I must say that um, firstly we haven't seen any specifics to it so I don't want to knock it on the head um, but my and our club's view is that uh, yeah it's about let's start let's, let's get the model right and let's start we're not for one minute saying that something we haven't seen details of being this pilot that you've heard of uh, Simon can't work because we, I can't say that if I haven't seen the details but my everything about me and every sense inside me tells me that if you're going to start, let's start. You have to be, we have to be bold and strong here. And once we arrive at the best model, let's go with it. Let's not go half-hearted because the biggest concern I've got is that if you go half-hearted and you jump half-hearted, it's like jumping in a tackle that you guys will know more about than me, that's when you get hurt. So um, I think you need to go full, full blood when you're confident about your best possible model. So that's our approach. Let's come up with the best possible one. We're listening to everyone else as well. There might be things that we've missed, obviously. Let's get the best one. And let's get everyone pulling in the same direction and committing to it. We don't have that much to lose. We've got much more to gain. And I think we've got more to lose by not doing it. But I, again, I say all that without knowing what specifically is proposed. So let's see if there's some sort of pilot that can work. But 
we think the best model should be should we should go with it and go with it full-blooded full-bodied and make it happen are you having any conversations at all with the a-league clubs are they involved in these talks or not um no, no we haven't yet um uh, had any detailed discussions no um and we're leaving that in a sense until uh, the model is further developed in football australia which we're doing the next month got meetings set up we're not going to go there yet i mean they've unbundled as you know simon so uh, it's a matter for football australia to introduce not a matter for them so really at the moment we're not um, dealing with that uh, part of it because let's get uh, really a football australia model up and going let's get this started and then we'll see how that develops Nick, all I'm going to say to you, mate, is you keep pushing as hard as you possibly can because we all know, we all know how important this national second division is to to the economy, the football economy in Australia. Um, for me, that is uh, is the way forward, and we'll, we'll put a lot of our clubs in positions where they can be ambitious, they can achieve, and more importantly, I think in terms of players and turnover and and the opportunity to go overseas, we're going to be so much better placed with getting this through. Can I suggest this? Look, I've obviously I've done a lot of thinking about this in the last, uh, you know, few years, and, and mostly recently as this discussion has developed. And what it amounts to, you've just touched on and nailed it on the head there, Damien, and that is that uh, it's about having more strong clubs in this country. So, you know, everyone talks about a second division, everyone talks about promotion, relegation. None of that's possible without more clubs. All these things are really a reverse way of looking at it. If we had 30 good clubs at the moment, in this country, obviously not all equal, but strong, differently strong as exists in other countries. There'll be top super clubs, so to speak, and some not as strong. We understand all that. But in a proper environment, you'll have more than six, seven, eight, nine, ten clubs. If you've got 20, 25, 30, the second division calls itself into being. It doesn't need to be introduced, doesn't need to be created. Um, then you've got promotion and relegation. That, that's a natural consequence after that, because you've got yeah. more clubs that fit in one division. So what we're now doing is we've arrived at this in reverse because we actually got rid of clubs years ago and started with seven in Australia. That's what we did. We started with seven and one in New Zealand to have an eight league, eight team A league. So we've slowly grown that, but nowhere near enough. So what we're saying is let's not put the car, let's, let's get it now. Let's build the bridge. Let's go back and say, we haven't started with that. We've got rid of a lot of clubs. They've survived, as we all know. They're, they're trying to thrive in a lower uh, level. Um, it was put brilliantly, I think, by Parve Giuseppe of the Melbourne Knights on Friday night at a function where Chris Nicker and I were there. And that was that these, some of these bigger clubs are operating at 20, 25% capacity in the NPL. Allow them to operate at 100%. Allow them to grow. And then we'll see what we can do in this country with clubs. So the rest will follow. So because we haven't got the clubs at the moment operating at top level, because we don't have a platform, we've got this problem. So let's allow the platform to produce 10, 20, 25 strong clubs throughout the country. We're not going to have 100. We're not, you know, a, a multi-million, you know, um, you know uh, population place with the number one sport in the country yet. But we'll have 20, 25, maybe 30. Let's get them. That's what this is about. And that way, there's homes for footballers, men and women, I should say, both, home for footballers to, to grow, where, where you guys came out of, you know, better than me again. And then from there, everything grows. As you said, the football economy grows. That's what we're about trying to achieve. And I think on that point, we are at one and totally aligned with Football Australia, especially James Johnson. So it's a question of how we get there. Uh, Nick, James Johnson has, has spoken about the need for uh, the, the game to bring in 
a club licensing sort of standard for mm. uh, for a lot of these MPL clubs who want to be in the national second division. We could probably mm. do with it for some A-League clubs as well, to be brutally honest. Yeah. Um, is that a vital step? Because, of course, I guess Football Australia, if they're going to put their name to it, they are risking if it were to fall over, and I know you believe that it won't do that, but if it were to fall over, then they risk a huge amount of reputational damage. So is that step of having minimal club licensing standards in place a prerequisite of this second division coming into place? Uh, um, Simon, it, once we define licensing, I'll say yes or I'll say <laughs> no, depending what we mean by licensing. So, I mean, I'll answer it this way. Um, firstly, yes, Football Australia does stand to, you know, both reputationally gain and lose. Of course, a successful national second division will be a fantastic gain in reputation and vice versa. That's point one. The second point is that we have said in our own model that we are proposing criteria for entry. So whether you want to call them license, you know, those criteria forming part of a license or another way of requiring that they be met isn't really material. We, we all agree that we will have certain criteria in place because it can't just be, uh, it can't happen otherwise. We can't um, just make an open slather. So that we're at, we're at one on that as well. But what I think um, Football Australia and James are speaking about with licensing is a little different. They're looking at perhaps meeting uh, other uh, issues that might arise in future to do with requirements again to Asia, et cetera. Now, they're slightly different issues. I don't think they're really necessary for the National Civil Division to start, that they might be required for different purposes that you know is all well and good, and we will have those discussions with Football Australia. But um, in terms of starting, what's necessary, and I think what you're coming to, Simon, in relation to reputational um, concerns and ensuring there's no damage, is that the second division be viable, survive and thrive and not fail. And for that, you need the right model. So we go around in circles. So in that right model, we say, needs to reflect the capability now of the best candidate clubs, not some arbitrary, um, you know, imagined capability that is not going to be met because we haven't built the bridge in all these years. And the flip side, um, don't go too low either. Don't, don't, don't aim too low and we, we, we sort of don't take off and the pilot program <laughs> pilot stays on the ground. So that's the challenge that we're working on. We think in our report, we've largely met it. We're hoping people can see that, but we're talking about that. Nick, I want to ask you one more and then I promise we'll let you go because I think you've got to get back in court. But yes. Um, yes. so let, let's fast forward to 2023. Let's let's leave the pilots out of it just for the time being and assume that yes. we're starting in, in 2023. Um, what does the league look like? How many clubs, how many games per season? And uh, okay, it's, it's MPL clubs to start off with, but are you open to the possibility, say, for example, of having a, a new franchise type scenario. We've, we've had bids for the A-League before that have you know, not made it, such as Tasmania, such as places in Brisbane. Maybe those areas have clubs uh, that are not quite strong enough to be in a national second division. Maybe a new consortium and a new franchise mm. would be with, with different backing. Are you open to all that stuff and what does it look like? Yeah, well, first things first, uh, Simon, you said, uh, what's the league going to look like? Again, I've got to emphasize this because while, <laughs> <The model. laughs> while, us, while we've driven this discussion in many ways, because of our that, that's been our fundamental concern, we also recognize, in fairness, and I want to be fair here to James, is that he's come into this with a lot of a lot on his plate, and it might not have been his first priority. Understand all that. And now they're, now they're doing a lot of work on this. So um, the, 
it won't be, it's not our model. We're not the governing body as much as we'd love to be on this issue. We're not. We recognise it's Football Australia. We want to work with them and, and inform their model as much as possible. So I can't tell you what it would look like. Our model, as you've read, Simon, in our, in our report, our progress report, speaks of a national model. We're anywhere between 12 and 16 teams, home and away. You know, we want as many games as possible. We think it's viable. We've said why. So that's the sort of model we're looking at. As to the second part of your question, we've recognised again within our progress report that um, it may well be, especially in some of the smaller places, um, that a number of NBL clubs, by way of example, would get together. We've got two in Perth that are already joined. Right? There might be others that see uh, synergies, even in metropolitan um, Melbourne, Sydney, other areas that think, you know what, for this, we'll get together with two, three or four clubs. No problem. It's, it's, we don't have an issue with that. In fact, we can see it as a positive where uh, these clubs come in stronger, better resourced, greater support bases. You might bring in one's facilities and the other ones, you know, um, other support bases, uh, player um, uh, catchment areas in outer suburban areas, all of that. So, and there may be, I don't know really why at the moment why a consortium would come in, but that may happen, particularly, I think, if promotion and relegation is included in terms of when it will start within three, four years or whatever it might be post-start. There may be people that see that as a reason why they would back um, an entity. Now, again, that's all That's all possible. We're not opposed to that happening. What we're saying is that we think that by and large, most participants will be existing NPL clubs, either by themselves or in combination. That's not to say no one else can participate. Mm. Nick, it's fascinating stuff. Uh, obviously, I think everybody is in favour of a national second division. It's just a matter of uh, when and what it looks like. But uh, we, we thank you for your insight today. Uh, we'll let you get back on with your day job and uh, look forward to the next announcement, which should be, what, d June, did uh, you say? We, we think, yeah, we're meeting with Football Australia in the middle of June up in mm -hmm. Sydney with our clubs. And we think that we'll complete our report by the end of June, give or take. I mean, don't hold it to the day, but give or take. I mean, like you said, it's not our day job. We're doing this as uh, as an additional um, uh, additional work on a voluntary basis. So, you know, people want to hold us to deadlines. It's a bit hard, but we think at the end of June, yeah. We wish you all the very best with it, Nick. And again, mm -hmm. uh, thanks so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, boys, and thanks for your support. Yes, Nick, good luck, mate. Thank, uh, you. thank you. Thank you. That is uh, Nick Galatis from the AAFC, and uh, that is us for another week on Shim Spider and so much more. Uh, join us again next week, and uh, hopefully we'll have Callum Elder or some other guest that's uh, going to be equally as interesting. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you again in a week's time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.